Hey there, Mike Stelzner coming to you with a fascinating update you might not be familiar with. Did you know that Social Media Examiner can deliver all the marketing, training, news, and trends, insights that you need into your inbox three days a week when you sign up for our newsletter and it's completely free? Simply visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates and take your marketing to the next level. Welcome to the Marketing Agency Show, where we explore solutions to the biggest challenges faced by agencies. Hey, y'all. Thank you so much for joining me for the Marketing Agency Show, brought to you by Social Media Examiner. I'm your host, Brooke Sellis, and this is the show for agency owners and agency marketers. We explore the topics that no one else is talking about. So pull up a seat to the table and let's have a great conversation. Today, I'll be joined by Carlin Ankrum, and we'll explore how she's been able to scale her business, Oh Snap Social, with major intention. And I can't even begin to tell you how amazing her advice is. Also, if you're new to the podcast, be sure to follow this show so you don't miss any of our future content. Let's transition over to this week's guest, Carlin. To help explore the frontier of working at and growing agencies, here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm so excited to be joined by Carlin Ankrum. Carlin Ankrum is the founder of Snap Social and the creator of the Fan Firestarter Framework. Say that three times fast. A new approach to social media marketing made specifically for businesses tempted to fake their own death and flee to Tahiti at the mere thought of content creation. Hasn't that been all of us at times? Carlin developed her user-friendly strategy after working a decade with a variety of brick and mortar businesses who were decidedly social allergic, not because they didn't want to do social media, but because they were intimidated by it. Carlin, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Brooke. I am so excited to be here. I am so excited. So fun fact about Carlin and I, Carlin has actually worked with B-Squared, my agency, for what, like a couple of years? Yeah. Yeah. So we've we've struggled together. Yeah. So I think it's going to be a good talk today because we know each other's struggles and we're both totally open about those struggles, right? Yes. Let's spill all of the tea. All the tea (laughs) will be spilled today. So let's start with the first question, kind of the layup question is what made you decide to start your agency? Like what was the impetus that made you say, I got to do this thing and I got to do it now? So I think I fell into the agency format by accident. I knew that I always wanted to have my own business, but it was never a dream of mine to have my own agency. I'm not a big fan of managing people. And when you own an agency, right, like that's a skill that you need to have. And so when I was growing exponentially, I was like, I guess I have an agency now. So it went from freelance and I shifted that gear in around, I guess, 2018 or so when I hired my first 1099 and I've grown to a team of, I think, six now, which is totally insane. Totally insane. Yeah. So what made you kind of sidebar here, but what made you decide that you had to hire that first person? Like, what was the catalyst for being like, okay, I need help? There just was not enough hours in the day for the amount of work that I had. I think that was like the red flag where I was working until like 9 p.m. one night. I was like, this isn't what I signed up for. And so early on, I was like, I need help, especially as I took it from a side hustle where I was still at my nine to five. And then I quit that because I had enough 
income on this other side and totally shifted. And then I was like, okay, time to hire a new person to help me. <laughs> so you actually moonlighted for a little while. So you started the company moonlighted for how long? And before you decided to be like, bye. And did you tell them like, bye, I started my own business. <laughs> How did that go down? My my beginning journey of this like freelancing, shifting into agency has been a very long one. I've been in like had a side hustle and now into an agency for over, I think, eight years. I took my first job right out of college. I was there for four years. And at my fourth year, I was like, hey, I'm going to go start this thing slash, I don't want to work here anymore. Do you (laughs) want to be my first client? And they're like, well, we don't have anyone else that's going to do this. So sure. And then I took on a lot of freelancing stuff along the way as I still got another job because I think part of me was a little intimidated and scared. Yes. By the lack of security that comes with owning your own business. Yes. Because that's not a thing. And what's interesting, it's my core value. Talk about that because I think that doesn't get talked about enough, right? Like we've all been there. I've been there. I'm pretty sure most agency owners have been there. Like that fear of not having enough or not knowing like when to make the leap. Maybe if you are moonlighting, you know, like when do you make that leap into doing it by yourself? Like, because if you wait until you can afford all of your expenses and save some money here and there, like it's too late, right? You kind of have to take a calculated risk. So like, Clue us in a little bit on that. Oh, man. I think what really kind of made me have this moment, light bulb moment that I was like, now or never, like we're going to do this or we're not going to do this, was I was turning 30 and I was sitting there in a conference room at the branding agency I worked at. And we actually had a client in the room and she was talking about how people come to her as a business consultant when they are at milestone moments. They've reached the the ceiling in their career. They're having a milestone birthday. They have a kid, like all of these lifestyle changes. And I was just like, are you talking to me right now? Because <laughs> I feel super uncomfortable in this room. And I actually had a conversation with her and she was like, I can help you get out of this if you want, but you need to have the coachability and the taking those next steps to get you over the finish line. And I think it's just, I didn't have the words to explain to my employer, like, hey, this is what I'm doing now. Ta-ta. <laughs> like, it's hard because I value relationships so much and I respect people a lot. And so it almost felt like I was letting someone down in a lot of ways. But sometimes you have to let other things go so you can step into what you really want to do and what is your purpose going forward. Yeah, it's so true. I love that you said that. So, okay, so you you jumped off, you started your own business and you didn't classify yourself as an agency until that first person came on? Yes. And when was that? What year was that? I believe that was probably around 2018-ish. So within the first year or so of yeah. starting, mm-hmm. yep. you hired someone. That's great. That's um, fantastic. And so now you're up to six. So you're hiring like a couple of people a year. And how do you decide when it's time to hire that next person? I think it it depends on a few things. One is what skills are clients requesting that maybe no one on the team has quite yet? That's one thing is social media, as we know, is constantly changing. And so it requires myself and my team to be up to speed on the latest trends and things that are happening. And so we're able to either hire people that fill that void or find trainings to up level those folks' skill. The other thing that's a red flag is when you have so much business that like you have to go like me as an owner has to go back into 
the content creation uh-huh. realm, which again, something that I love. So I don't mind doing it on occasion, but I much rather empower my team to think outside the box when it comes to creating social so I can be that leader instead of the, the doer, if that makes sense. Oh, 100%. You're supposed to be the visionary, not the implementer, right? That's how businesses scale. <laughs> if you have to implement all the time as the visionary, you're not going to have as much vision stuff happening. So I love that you said that. And on the topic of scaling, you know, I know that you talk about scaling with intention a lot. So can you tell me what that means to you? Like scaling with attention, intention means what for Carlin and what for OSNAP Social? Scaling with intention for me means growing my business with more ease and less stress. And what that actually comes down to is having the proper systems, procedures in place so that everyone knows what's happening and that clients are also managing that level of expectation at the same time. I think I did it all wrong in 2021 We had a massive year in 2021 because people were like, oh, I guess we're not going back to like anything in person. Like I need to figure out how to make this social media thing work. And alas, we grew in like that summer. We onboarded, I think, five new clients in one month. Wow. I should have spread that out, but I was like, yay. I was (laughs) the person and I was like, okay, then we need to hire all these people. And I think at the time, my operations manager was like, what are you trying to do to us? But I was like, yay, so excited. And yeah, there was no intention there. It was kind of like, yes, we can help all of you. And in return, I think it would have been better for everyone to have been like, we can onboard two this month and then two next month and then two the following month. Like we're booked out because I don't think I had a sense of what it meant to feel booked out. God, I love that. You didn't have the sense of what it would feel like to be booked out. So when it came to fruition, you weren't scaling with an intention at all, right? No. Which, which led you to the place that you are now, which is scaling with intention, which I'm assuming means like setting up those systems and processes that make sure that you don't put that strain on yourself, which you're right. I mean, it's so fun. Every time, <laughs> have you seen the commercial where the family like has the store and, and somebody comes in and like buy something that's not a family member and they all do the like happy dance. Yeah. Like Alex and I still do that little happy dance when someone closes. Like you get wrapped up in that moment, but there's so much that happens after that agreement is signed that a lot of people have to have eyeballs and hands on. So yeah, I mean, so like tell us then how that's led you into changing processes and systems to scale with intention 2022 and this year and beyond. Yeah. So I think a big thing that happened in 2022 is I had my first child. I mean, that is like it it kind of important changes the game in a lot of ways. And so I, I had already been kind of laying that foundation, but then it came to a point where we were like, okay, like this is our sole focus is getting all the systems down, the processes down on paper and training the team so that when I step away for three months, things don't just, you know, it's like a house of cards and it all just (laughs) falls flat. Yeah. So that was our big, big lift during those times. And then we were at a place where we started to test some of those systems on new clients that came in because again, we're thinking, okay, let's scale with that intentionality. It it seemed to work well. And yeah, that's where it it really... (laughs) 
it, it was a night and day moment for me when I was like, oh, we really have to do this. <laughs> That's another great point that you bring up. Another fear point, if you will, that Carlin just brought up is how long can you, the owner of the business, step out without the house of cards falling down? And you said you're at a, like three months. You feel comfortable being gone for three whole months, 90 days. I mean, I feel comfortable. and But do I really stick to that? I'm working on it. I think for me, boundaries have been harder on me. And so I always recommend if you have someone on your team, like an ops person or an executive assistant, help have them help you hold those boundaries. Poise, uh, one point that I had here is <laughs> I was gone on vacation for 10 days, like to Hawaii. I'd been planning this trip since I was 18, saving up to treat my parents to this amazing trip. And I popped my head in on base camp. And my ops person saw it and texted me and she goes, what are you doing on base camp? Get out. Get out. I love that. That's a great hire right there. Yeah. And so that's what you need is someone on your team who honors your boundaries, even when you won't honor them yourself. Uh, I love that. And yet another golden nugget. Honor your boundaries. And if you can't do it, have somebody on your team who can help you honor your own boundaries. I'm bad too. I mean, you know this because we work together, but like, I would say I'm comfortable probably like leaving for a week. That's about that's about my limit at this point in time. But like you, I know I've got to grow that. I, I want to be able to go on a two-week vacation or take a month off or whatever it is, right? What if I have a health problem or someone in my family does? You know what I mean? Like things happen all the time. And the more prepared you are for those things to happen, the better the business will run when they do happen. So... I want to know of the six people that you've hired so far, who's been the most pivotal hire for you? Like if you were talking to me as friends, right? We're agency owners together. And you were like, Brooke, you have to hire a blank. What would you tell me? For me, it was an ops person. So some people call them like OBMs, but this was the biggest hire for me. I really originally hired her to help me automate my onboarding process. It has been two years since we've been working together and we're just now getting around to that because we had to fix all the other things <laughs> <laughs> and and really you know prop up the easier systems and processes that were living inside my brain. Yes. But in no one else's. Yes. So, you know, like <laughs> I, I'm like, I'm screaming yes, yes, because like this is what happened. This is literally, I'm like sure the people that are watching or listening are like totally like shaking their head or saying yes as well because like, this is what happens when you're the creator and the visionary, you create it and you can do it. But like if it's not written down and not written down in a way that other people can understand and emulate, how are you going to grow? How are you going to scale? That is so true. And and believe it or not, our team members are not mind readers. Weird how that what works. What a thing. <laughs> Let me know if you find someone who is. I know. I need, I need that person. So let's let's dig into that role a little bit of your ops manager. So she, you hired her. And was she the one who was like, we can't even start with the automation because all this other stuff is broken? Pretty much. <laughs> and that was a big moment for me because my brain doesn't think like that. And I think that's really important when you hire somebody like that is hire, skill, hire for skills that are not like your own. Mm, great point. That is huge because my brain does not think in systems and processes. I'm a very, what is it? Creative type. I am also a high achiever. So I understand the importance of said systems and process, 
but I don't have an opinion one way or another as long as it gets done. <laughs> like, I don't care how you get it done. Just get it done and make sure it's done well. Yeah. Leave me yeah. alone to get it done. Like, yeah. it'll get done my own way. But I think after sitting down with her, I actually flew her out last year and we had a whole day where we were wa- walking through, what do we want to have happen in 2023? And really thinking about not just the processes and the systems, but like, how is the team organized? And like, who do we need to hire? Who do we maybe need to shift what their responsibilities are? What type of client, what did we learn last year about the clients that we served that we want to maybe shift this year? And so she's more than just operations. She is very much someone who is looking at the back end of the business all the way down to the numbers as well and saying, well, maybe we could cut this or try this or do this. And so she's coming up with innovative ideas to help me from a visionary standpoint, progress forward to hit my goals. Yeah, I love that. She almost sounds like an Alex. So my husband, Alex, joined B Squared almost two years ago, and he became our chief service officer, which kind of marries operations with the services that we provide. So making sure that we have the best tools and processes and systems and the right team to present, you know, near perfect deliverables 100% of the time. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so important because when you tie operations to services. We're in a service business, right? We're not delivering an actual product. And they're and they're tied to the numbers with that. It really makes a difference. Like, so let's talk about that because I know how much of a difference Alex made when we implemented him in that role in our company. But like, how long did it take for you to see the results of this ops person's presence within OSNAP? It was funny because in the beginning, I think some of my creative you know, creative people were like, wait, what now? Like we've been doing it this way for this long and now it's changing to this. And so we always like to say that she is the hammer and I'm the heart. Ah. And those are the roles that we play. Like I'm very much like my team's friend for good, bad or otherwise, probably. Um, And she's kind of the one that's like, you're going over on hours. Like, how do we not make sure this happens every time? Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, or like she'll come to me and say, hey, the team is going over on all these hours, you know, this past month. Like, what are you seeing on your side from someone that's approving the content, talking with the client, da, 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 da. And so she can take that one side of the system and chat with me or chat with the team directly so we can make those improvements to like the contract renewals, for instance, or growing our pricing. That was a big step that she pointed out for us is we can be more profitable because like we are now doing video editing because reels are a thing mm-hmm. that takes significantly longer than a Canva graphic. Yes. <laughs> and like in my head, I'm like, well, it doesn't really, but that's me. And so like, she's like, not everyone is you. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, so she just is kind of like the aha moment in a lot of, <laughs> a lot of our conversations, which I appreciate. She plays devil's advocate probably more than I would like her to but she needs to because that's why I hired her. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. I, I want to kind of talk about if you're if you're cool with it, the conversation that you and I had. So you came to me, gosh, was that a year ago now? And we kind of talked about like some of these hours and stuff like that. Are you cool with me sharing? Yeah. <laughs> so Carlin, I was 
obviously very supportive of her starting her own business. We were sad to lose her because she is such a wonderful creative mind, but I'm a huge proponent of women supporting women and obviously supporting other agency owners in this crazy space that we call social media. And you kind of reached out to me, I don't know, it was like a year or so in and you were like, hey, how the heck do you manage these people's hours? Because like, they're just all over the place. They'll they'll book 200 hours if I let them, right? So like, kind of dig us into the story on what happened on your end. And then we can like finish out the conversation that we had. Yeah. So four things are popping into my (laughs) brain all at the same time. First is we use Slack for all of our client communications. And so we have a channel for each of our clients. Everyone that's in the project is in the channel. That way, nothing gets stuck in anybody's inboxes. Everyone knows who's on first, what content's coming through. The challenge with that is clients use it much like a texting platform, Uh (laughs) which is fine most of the time. But we had this one client, God bless her. She was phenomenal. We loved her a lot, but she was just a very curious cat. And she would constantly ask questions, ask questions, ask questions. And I was like, and my team loves teaching other people about what they love, social media. And so I look in there and I'm seeing this conversation and my team members giving all these tips and advice. And I'm like, this is awesome. But also it's eating up all of your hours to create something amazing. And and I was like, I appreciate it. But also we need to make sure that there's enough time to do our deliverables. And I think that was an aha moment for my team member who was fairly new at the time. And also I had to then have like this awkward conversation with the client being like, if you want to send up some training hours, we can do that. Like not a problem. And she was like, Oh, I thought it was just a quick question. I was like, eh. it was a longer explanation, but you know, if we come back, you know, to you da, 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 with, you know, asking for training hours, it was a little bit long. So I empowered my team member to said, you know, thank you for answering their question in the future. If this happens, send them to me, or you can say you can offer up training hours. Yeah. Uh, And she was cool with that. But at the same time, I saw it happening with other team members doing the same thing. And I was like, okay, maybe there's too many people in Slack. And so we were trying to figure out what is the best practice. And then how do we set up the expectations for clients at the same time. So now that's part of like one of the onboarding processes now. And so you learn along the way and you fail. And what is the phrase? You fail forward. Yes. Failing forward. Yeah. All these lessons in all of these like (laughs) failures and hours burned, which makes me really sad because the profit of that account was just like, like just up in flames. I was like sitting on the sidelines like, oh no. Yeah. But you know, you, you live, you learn. And then we've, because of, of that, we have shifted who we serve now and, and how we serve them. Yeah. You had on so many great points there. So we had a little chit chat about like how to manage hours and how not to give the team the full set of hours that you receive for a project because they will use them. Leave yourself a buffer, but also make sure that you're working in like what your margin goal is, right? So it like just for easy whole numbers, if you have a goal of 50% margin and you get 200 hours for a project, then you need to only put forth 100 of those hours, right? Because even with doing that, you're probably not going to hit that 50% margin, right? Because there's that buffer that you have to add in. So you really have to think about, you know, what your goal is, is as far as revenue goes when you're working on like hourly based projects or retainers. So I love that we had that conversation. And I love that you shared about scope creep too, because I think that's something that pops up like all the time. 
<laughs> exactly. My answer shocked that you're like, that's extra. And they're like, yes, well, it's this little, no, it's just extra. Yeah. I'll, I mean, I've, if I've said it before, I'll say it a million times and you'll probably hear me say it a million times on this show, but your scope of work in your agreement needs to be crystal clear about what you will and won't do. And I'm assuming that's part of your process in helping with scope creep now, because then the team member can say like, that's not in our scope. However, we're happy to add it for blank. So since you've been so willing to share all of the gory details of owning an agency, what would you say your biggest failure as an agency owner has been? Well, honestly, I make them all the time. I've already mentioned probably like five in this episode so far. (laughs) Um, But I would say, and this might kind of flip the script a little bit, it's not necessarily something that I had done. It was basically something that I had not done. And I had not been keeping my eyes on my own paper Mm. and running at the speed that I felt comfortable running. Because I think as the internet industry, it's very, for lack of a better word, incestuous in a lot of ways. Like everyone knows everybody and like, this person over here is doing this. And this person over here is making a million dollars in two seconds. And this person got 10,000 followers in less than five days. And all of these marketing things get jumbled in our brains, even though we're a little bit jaded by the marketing messages because we know so much about it. So I got caught up in that hustle, in that pace of a million dollars because I thought that's what everyone wanted, right? I just got caught up in that. So you were like, so you're, when you say that, you're like, you felt you didn't feel like you would reach success until you were a seven-figure agency. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. And it wasn't until I had my daughter that I was like, what am I doing this all for? <laughs> I'm doing it to spend time with my family. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. And that brought my why back into focus when it had been so fuzzy because I got caught up in the doing. I was like, what is it? Those little ducks where like I was fine on the top. Oh, and then on the bottom, they're like, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, my legs are moving a million miles an hour. And I like didn't know what day it was. I got burnt out. Of course you did. Of course I did. And I didn't realize that that was what was happening until it was too late. Can we talk about that fear point that you just brought up? Burnout. Yeah. Like I've been scared to say this. And I'm going to say it now. And I'm, I'm, I'm like clenching in my chair because I I've wanted to say this for so long, but I've been scared of the backlash. But like, okay, the past two, three years have been really rough, right? With COVID and everything. There's been a ton of burnout. We've lost a ton of team members to burnout. And I, I understand that and I get that and I feel for them. But at the same time, I've been going through burnout or I was, right? I'm not now, but I was last year. And I wanted so badly to say, hey, agency owners are getting burnt out too, but we don't get to take a different job. We don't get to take a week off for mental health. We don't get to, well, maybe if we have Carlin systems in place, we can take three (laughs) months off. But you know what I mean? Like I've been wanting to say that and now I'm scared of like the backlash that I'm going to get. But like, that's it. That's the truth. Like we don't have as many options to fix that feeling of burnout that regular, you know, regular team members have or non-agency owners have. What are your thoughts on that? Like, have you felt that way or have you been fine talking about burnout? I think burnout is a topic that I feel comfortable with, with sharing. And I think 
sometimes I feel bad that I have felt burnout because that's honestly been the reason why like a lot of my own content creation has stalled. Mm. And I'm like, well, no one's going to hire me if I don't have my stuff going and da da da. And I'm like looking over again, looking not at my own race. I'm looking to the side. And here's a great example. And this is from Lauren Golden of the Free Mama Movement. She was talking about her daughter who was swimming in a race, hopefully better than this. I don't know what this is. <laughs> swimming in a race and she was leading her race until she lifted her head and looked next to her to see where her competition was. And she lost a few strokes. She lost a few strokes and she didn't hit her goal. (sighs) And so that is a lesson in keeping those blinders on and focusing on your goal ahead of you. Don't worry about the other people in the other lanes because they're not going for your goal. They're going for their own goal at the end of their lane. That's such good advice. Write that down, everybody, because I, I'm, bad at, I'm bad at that, too. I think we all are. I mean, social media inherently is built that way, right? We're always yeah. looking at other people and watching other people's videos, and we're all influenced, right? Or at least I am constantly. And so I think it does seep into the people and the professionals who work in social media because we're plagued by what everybody else is doing. So it must be like a constant battle to... Do you catch yourself like looking over at someone else and being like, ah, Carly, no, don't do that. You got to focus on your own race. I was doing that so often that I actually had to unfollow or like mute that person. <gasps> really? You don't have to say who it was, but like tell, kind of give us the situation because I think this is so valid. Like, and you're giving me advice too, because I'm like, maybe that's a good idea. Yeah. Just mute the people, like the people that, you know... <laughs> I always call it like bounce back culture. The person that just had a baby and they're already like releasing a new product like oh. the next week or yeah. um, they show up on reels twice a day or <laughs> they've grown their followers by 20,000 in the past week, but like silently, but like you've been noticing it. Oh, yeah. And you're like, man, I'm not doing that. But then you're also like, I just had a kid and I'm, I'm recovering from burnout and I'm running a business and I don't need 10,000 followers to have money in the bank. Right. And I think those are all those like reality checks that you have to be like, wait, you know, to your point, like, just like, stop it. <laughs> like, just, you know, hitting your wrist, like, no, you know, because that person's on their own journey and they're not sharing. Because we tell this to our clients too. They're not sharing the gory details. Yes. No. Like we are on this podcast. <laughs> exactly. They're sharing the shiny, pretty story of it all. And you know, that's what I, I have to remind myself. So when I start to go, no, Brooke, no. What I remind myself is, is that a lot of those people who have that presence and have all those followers and act like everything's always so perfect and successful for them don't have money in the bank. So often. It's gnarly. Right. So I think you have to really kind of reset your reality lenses, right? Because again, we all live in social media personally. And then unfortunately, it's our professional lives as well. So we are really mired in that whole social media psychosis. (laughs) And we have to like reset. We have to like put on our reality glasses and sometimes and be like, hey, yeah, that person may have like 8 million followers and have like, you know, a reel every day talking about how wonderful their life is. But and I've actually found this out about a few of these people for real. Yeah. In real life, they're like struggling to pay their bills or asking, you know, people to to get them in events to speak because they need money, you know. So I think we just have to be focused on ourselves. Like it doesn't matter what they're doing. It only matters what I'm doing. And since I have made that shift, Brooke, 
everything is just like, like an exhale. It is just like glorious. And this year, I know people have like word of the year. I have three words because I'm an overachiever, (laughs) but it is, (laughs) it's maintain, refine, and simplify. Those are my three words. If I make the same amount as I did last year, awesome. I'm refining my systems. I'm automating more things. Great. Am I simplifying? I'm simplifying my team, how we work, and the clients that we choose to work with. Because that's, as an agency owner, we have to remember, we also get to choose who we work with. Yes. Like everyone that comes through doesn't, we don't need to say yes to them. And I think for me, the longest time I was like, yes, yes. And now I'm just like, I don't think you're a fit. Let me refer you to someone else. Okay, just unsolicited advice. I think those aren't your words for this year. I think that's like a mantra. Mm. Like, I think that's what you can live by. And like you said, you're just going to have that feeling of like, <sighs> yeah, yeah, because I'm, I'm maintaining, I'm sustaining, what is it? Maintaining. Refine. Refining and simplifying. Yeah, I love it. It's a mantra. So speaking of your new mantra, what would you say your agency leader power move is? All right. Agency leader power move because I am not as, I think I'm a little too direct. Mm, okay. In some of my communication with my team. And so what I, what I had been doing before is running some things by my ops person, but now I put it into AI. <gasps> okay. You got it. You got to tell more. Give us, give us the dirt here. AI. I'll like really say what I want to say hey, this was actually due a week ago. It is now like, it's now over a week past its deadline, like whatever, whatever direct message you want to say. And AI finesses it. And I'll say like, write it in a friendly tone. And then it'll write it in a friendly tone. Then I can send it. That is so smart. I've also used it for client emails. When I'm trying to explain something that's like a little complex, I ask it to write it with like a certain understanding. In layman's terms? Yeah, or like a third grader or... Um, one time I write this like I'm five. (laughs) Yeah. Like I've just done that because they, I'm talking about reports and they're just like, I, what's an impression? What's a, what's reach? What's a real view? Like, like those are the, some of the clients that I'm working with. And so I have to be, I have to really pull back my expertise in a lot of ways and just get back to the basics. And I'm explaining things that sometimes when you've been in the industry, as long as we both have been, it's like, how do you explain it? Yeah. Or how do you not use jargon? You know what we did is on our onboarding client onboarding packet, it has definitions. It has all of those metric definitions in there. A glossary. <laughs> yes, it is. It's literally a glossary of terms. That is super smart. And that way, like the first time they ask, like you said, in the Slack, we're like, oh, that means blah, 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 blah. And the second time they ask, we're like, oh, that means blah, 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 blah. And anytime you have a question about these kinds of metrics and their definitions, you can always check your onboarding collateral. So smart. Because then we're solving the root problem and we don't have to keep going to Slack and spending hours, right? (laughs) Those valuable hours. Oh my gosh, Carlin, this has been like, I knew you were going to be fantastic. This has been like beyond my wildest dreams good. Thank you so much for sharing like the real nitty gritty of your journey so far as an agency owner. I know everybody watching and listening truly appreciates you. Because I know they appreciate you, where can they find you? Tell us where to go. What are you working on? Like, give us all the places and all the things. Yeah, um, you can find me on my website, osnapsocial.com. I hang out on Instagram for all the behind the scenes, angsty Instagram stories at osnapsocialcarlin, K-A-R-L-Y-N. And I have some resources over on my website. If you want to check that out, there's some free stuff. Other than that, join me in my newsletter too. 
I got all the places. All the places and all the things. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much for joining us today, Carlin. It was fantastic. Thank you so much for having me, Brooke. Always a pleasure. If you're new to the show, be sure to follow us. If you've been a longtime listener, let your friends know about this show. I'm at Brooke Sellis on Instagram and Twitter. You can also find me there on LinkedIn. And for fun, make sure you tag SM Examiner. Also, be sure to check out our other shows, the Social Media Marketing Podcast, the Web3 Business Podcast, and the Social Media Marketing Talk Show. This brings us to the end of this week's Marketing Agency Show. We'll catch you next week as we explore the adventures of the marketing agency life. The Marketing Agency Show is a production of Social Media Examiner. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.